Welcome to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, president of the Ohio Christian Alliance. Stay tuned for an analysis and conversation about the issues that matter most to you and your family. Here now with this week's edition of News in Focus is Chris Long. And good afternoon and welcome to this edition of News in Focus. We are going to be talking about the crisis pregnancy centers or pregnancy service centers across the state of Ohio that do wonderful work in helping women uh, who have unexpected pregnancies and helping them to choose life and to look forward to a bright future, because there is a bright future anytime a child comes into the world. And after the post-Roe v. Wade overturn here in the state of Ohio, we are a pro-life state with the heartbeat bill now being fully enforced, and the pro-aborts can do nothing about it. Those who want abortion on demand, not here in Ohio, uh, the heartbeat bill is fully in effect, and uh, so think we are moving forward for the cause of life in Ohio. And as such, the pregnancy service centers across the state uh, will be needing uh, our help, prayer, support, financially, and even volunteerism. We'll talk about that. We're going to be talking with Melanie Miller, who is the executive director of the Ashland Pregnancy Care Center, and that's in Ashland, Ohio. And actually, a few years ago, they celebrated their 40th anniversary, and uh, she's going to tell us how many children they've seen that were salvaged, saved, through the pregnancy center's work over the years, and it's tremendous. And we're also going to be talking with uh, the director of the Pregnancy Center in Toledo, Ohio, and that's Savannah Martin, and we're pleased to have her on the program with us as well. Ladies, welcome to the program. Thank you, Chris. Thanks for having us. Thank you, Savannah. We're so glad to meet your acquaintance. We've known Melanie, and she's been on the program before, but we're glad to have uh, the Toledo Clinic with us. And uh, I'm really excited about this. Last week, we talked to the Right to Life directors of Ohio post-Roe and uh, what that's going to look like for Ohio going forward in the heartbeat bill, of course, now the heartbeat legislation. You know, we called it the heartbeat bill for so long, uh, ladies. It's great to call it the heartbeat legislation, right? And and so it's putting um, clinics or actually uh, abortion clinics are closing in Ohio. Uh, Planned Parenthood is uh, not fully closing their doors, but they have to uh, de- uh, turn women away from abortion. And we're so thankful about that here in the state of Ohio. Your thoughts, Melanie, let's start with you on that. Well, Chris, I think for many of us, we are just celebrating that this day actually came. Um, We've been praying for the last 49 years that we would see an abortion-free America and even state of Ohio. So we're very excited to see that our legislature and our leaders in the state of Ohio value the sanctity of life. And so kudos to Governor DeWine and Dave Yost for, for really taking swift action after the decision was made to um, to move forward with our heartbeat law in Ohio uh, so that we can immediately start saving more lives. Absolutely. Savannah, your thoughts about the post-Roe America and now the uh, heartbeat legislation in Ohio? Sure. So one of the other um, hats that I'm privileged to wear is I lead the Ohio Coalition of Pregnancy Centers um, in the state of Ohio. So we have 133 pregnancy centers across the state of Ohio. Um, Throw some numbers at you. Um, And why I'm so excited is, um, you know, there is an impact report that the Charlotte Lozier Institute did um, 2019. So it's uh, a couple years old, but pregnancy centers, those 133 pregnancy centers in the state of Ohio, um, they provided services valued at just over $15 million. Um, We uh, know that from that impact report that um, over um, 54,000 free consultations for pregnant women um, were given. We know that 940 40 um, medical, licensed medical professionals volunteer inside of um, pregnancy centers. Um, we know that 251,000 items like diapers, wipes, strollers, formula, baby clothes were given. Um, over a million dollars in items given to families. 
pregnancy centers in the state of Ohio um, have been uh, ready for this day and shine as an example, a shining beacon in our state um, as to why Ohio doesn't need um, abortion, that we have these incredible centers that are ready to embrace these moms and these dads and these families to help them not only choose life, but to have abundant life as well. Amen. Savannah, that's, it's a big number. I did not realize that there was a hundred and, is it 133 crisis pregnancy? 133. 133 crisis pregnancy centers or pregnancy service centers in the state of Ohio. And that is great. You know, um, I know, Melanie, a few years ago, um, you changed your name. You know, we, we referred to them as crisis pregnancy centers, but now yours is an, a pregnancy care center. Um, and also, Savannah, that's what the Pregnancy Center of Toledo. Uh, tell me about the name change, Melanie. Sure. Well, for, actually, Ashland Pregnancy Care Center, we started in 1981. And um, right after Roe was passed, that's what we were known as. Pregnancy centers across the country were known as crisis pregnancy centers. Um, and we've really gotten away from that name simply because um, not every woman believes that she's in a crisis. And um, and sometimes um, crisis could potentially have more of a negative, um, maybe a negative tone. So really, I think the importance of a lot of our name changes has been, you know, it's a pregnancy decision that brings a woman into our doors. Um, and our job is to care for her through her pregnancy and through parenthood. And so our center, long, many years ago, changed our name to Ashland Care Center. And then we were also promoting to clients Ashland Pregnancy Center. And for us, it was just confusing to our community because we were known as two different names. And so it made sense to merge our name into one and, and change that to Ashland Pregnancy Care Center. Um, to just get rid of the confusion and to simplify that, because I think in the name it makes very clear what we do. I'm reading from your website where it says uh, those uh, women visiting the website for services, learning you might be pregnant whether or not you plan to have a baby is overwhelming. We know the full range of emotions you might be experiencing right now. Fear, depression, frustration, worry, anxiety, excitement, guilt, uncertainty. They come in waves and shift suddenly. We know because we we were there too. So, you know, the center is a caring center, and I've seen your staff and the great work that they do in receiving the women and talking with them and just, uh, you know, hearing a little bit about their story and then sharing with them uh, the services that the center provides and really the way forward uh, of uh, carrying the baby to term and, uh, and and receiving this new life into the world. Your thoughts? Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. I think one of the things um, I think Savannah would agree with, she's been serving a lot longer than I have in, in pregnancy center ministry, but I, I think what I love about the work of pregnancy centers is that women are able to have, really to take a breath. <laughs> and to realize that they're not alone in their situation, that there are other people that have gone through what they have gone through, um, and they can relate. And it's a place for truly a woman to, um, you know, a lot of women don't really want to have an abortion. And so they're looking for permission to to keep their baby and to see that the community, that the church, that the pregnancy center, there are people that love them, that want to surround them and support them and encourage them on this journey and, um, and, and I know Savannah could speak to this as well. One of the top reasons a woman may have abortion is due to financial reasons, uh, maybe not having a job or having the funds to provide for a, a family. And so when we look at, you know, the, those free services that pregnancy centers are offering, that takes a huge weight off the shoulder of a mom and, and, a, and a dad um, to know that, wow, you know, we can help you get a good start in life. Um, help relieve some of this burden um, so that they can be successful in life and that they can thrive and live that abundant life. Because the role and the goal of all pregnancy centers, um, if we're completely honest, is we we love the Lord, and so we're Christ-centered. So ultimately, we want to help them with their tangible needs, with material items, with education, um, helping them find community support. But long-term, we want them to get get connected to the body of Christ, to the local church. Um, and that's really a lifelong discipleship process. 
And so um, that's really our goal, is to help them to see that they are created in God's image and that God has a plan and purpose for each of their life. And uh, there's such joy and hope for a family when they realize that, that God loves them and that they're not alone and that their life is valuable and they have a purpose. And so does the life that God's creating and knitting together in their mother's womb. Going to your annual uh, banquet every year, your annual dinner, what a great um, uh, moving experience to hear uh, in a little video the people that you're reaching out to and hear their own story about uh, coming to the center, receiving help, having the baby, and maybe them and their significant other actually uh, learning this new life together that they didn't uh, initially plan but now uh, things are coming together, and you know the, da- the the man is looking to be the dad, and he's excited about that. And so you really have kind of a full service center there, helping these women and their significant others in this whole decision, and uh, it's just been a blessing. Um, Melanie, tell us a little bit about that of some of the clients that have come uh, just in the last few years, and some of the great testimonies. Oh, absolutely! I think one of the one of the most memorable testimonies recently was a young woman who actually just shows you how community partnerships are so key that, um, you know, we realize we each have our own wheelhouse or our own strengths. But um, when the when the community works together, we can have the greatest impact in, in a family's life. But we had um, a woman from a local church that brought a young woman that was new to our community that was uh, already had an abortion scheduled and brought this young woman to our center, uh, called ahead of time. We stayed after hours to take the time with her that she needed um, for, you know, counseling and for an ultrasound. And really, this young woman had her mind made up that I am going to have an abortion. The only way that I would not have one is if I can't get the money to get one. And uh, so we ended up, we did an ultrasound with her. And um, it was amazing to watch the body language of this mother change as we took the time with her and did that ultrasound. And when she was able to see her child, her little girl, she had a little girl, and uh, to see her, her baby's face. And I remember at one point she, she smiled. It was the first time I'd seen her smile while she, came, uh, while she was at the center. And she got real giddy and lighthearted. She said, oh, that's my baby's face. Oh, my gosh, there's her hands. There's her feet. And she just had such joy. And when we were finished, she sat up on the table and she said, ladies, this is the first time I've ever had joy about being pregnant. And um, I want you to know, we talked with her the next day, we did a telehealth call, and she wanted us to know that she canceled her appointment, that um, that, that ultrasound was the deciding factor. And then the time we took with her to let her know she wasn't alone, and that was the first time she ever felt anyone truly listened to her and cared about her, made all the difference. And, and I'll never forget that moment. This young lady ended up placing her child um, for up for adoption. And um, But what an incredible journey to walk with this woman, that she truly felt that the best decision for her was to have an abortion. But for people to love her, to show her there is another way, um, she thanks us all the time for, for helping her to make that decision. Oh, that's wonderful. So it just shows you ultrasound, too, is so powerful when we can, um, again, ultrasound gives a window into the womb for these women, and um, it just shows you the miracle of life. We're talking also with uh, Savannah from the Pregnancy Center in Toledo. And uh, Savannah, I'm reading from your website. It says about us, our compassionate and professional team work every day to create a safe, confidential place for you to be educated about your pregnancy options. Serving women and families in the Toledo area has been our privilege since 1984. We are here to help you make the right choice. And when I look at your uh, website, I see that you are located just down the street from the University of Toledo. Savannah, tell us about the clients that come to your center. Sure. So, um, you know, well over 50% of the clients that walk through the doors at the pregnancy center in Toledo um, are actively seeking um, to terminate their pregnancy through an abortion. Um, So most of the women who walk through our doors um, are, uh, you know, they're looking uh, 
for that way out. And um, I'll share with you a story of a woman named Megan. Um, so Megan had actually made an appointment for an abortion. Um, her family was very prominent in a local church. And, um, you know, she did not see a way out. You know, Melanie talked about the hopelessness um, that so often women resort to choosing to um, have an abortion because they can't see a way forward. Um, and our our job in partnership with the Lord is to be able to help lift their heads and for them to see um, that there is community and that the Lord wants to walk with them um, and that there there are other options and to think long-term about that. But uh, Megan decided before going through with her abortion um, that she would come to the pregnancy center and at the center, um, she met with one of our client advocates and talked, um, you know, through with Megan, you know, just the fears of being a young single mom. Um, and according, you know, to Megan, um, she said the pregnancy center played a huge role um, in her life during a time that she felt scared and hopeless and really unsure about her future. Uh, we were able to get her in for a same day ultrasound. And um, as soon as Megan saw her uh, baby on the ultrasound, um, a little girl um, on the ultrasound, um, she decided in that moment that she was not going to go through um, with an abortion. And, um, you know, we were able to walk with Megan through the rest of her pregnancy. And um, we celebrated in January of 2020, um, Megan dedicating her daughter Willow um, to the Lord um, at that same church where her parents are um, uh, prominent members of. And so here was this person that was running in shame um, and her church has embraced her and she stood on that platform and she dedicated that sweet little girl to the Lord. Megan said this, she said, I put my focus back on God. Um, the pregnancy center helped her put her focus back on God and helped her prepare for being a new mom. She says, if it wasn't for the Pregnancy Center of Toledo, I would not have ended, um, I would have ended up having an abortion and I would have regretted that for the rest of my life. So this place will always hold a special place in her heart and she's forever thankful um, to everyone at the Pregnancy Center. And that is what is happening inside of pregnancy centers every single day. That every day when pregnancy centers turn the lights on, we are ending abortion one life at a time. We're talking with Savannah Martin, and she is the Pregnancy Center of, of uh, Greater Toledo, and their website is PregnancyCenter.org, also with Melanie Miller, Executive Director of the Ashland Pregnancy Care Center. Their website is AshlandCareCenter.org. So as we look at um, what has happened in just almost a month now since the overturning of Roe, um, we're looking at... Um, an opportunity here like we've never seen. Have you seen increased traffic? And I know it's early. It's not even been a full month yet since the decision came down from the Supreme Court and that the heartbeat legislation is fully enforced here in Ohio. Are you seeing an increase in foot traffic or calls coming into the centers? Uh, Savannah, tell us what you are hearing from uh, the multiple senators centers around Ohio. Sure. So we are seeing an increase here um, at the Toledo Pregnancy Center. Um, you know, we know that <clears throat> uh, women are, because it's so new, confused about what they can and can't do. They're confused um, about what their options are. Um, there's lots of misinformation um, floating around. And so we are seeing an increase. And, you know, the important thing to keep in mind is, um, you know, up until uh, a few weeks ago, uh, women had you know, 20, 22-ish weeks to make that decision. Um, and now they have uh, around six, between five and six weeks um, to make that decision. And so uh, emotions are a lot higher in uh, the clients that we're seeing. Um, we're having to um, adopt, you know, some of our programming um, in order to get them in um, like Melanie, you know, it's important that centers are forward thinking and adopting Things like telehealth appointments, being able to chat virtually with clients. Um, you know, we're learning how to uh, scan uh, uh, women uh, to do their ultrasounds earlier. Um, I'm proud of the centers um, all across Ohio because they're learning how to pivot. We've obviously had to um, become comfortable with adjusting and changing through the last um, couple of years and, and COVID. 
Um, and I'm proud of the leadership in Ohio um, to continue to pivot to make sure that we are seeing abortion-minded uh, women because um, they're still out there. As much as we champion and, and celebrate the changing of legislation, the reality is, is that there are still women in our state who are seeking abortions. And I'm thankful for strong uh, pregnancy center leaders all across our state that are making sure that you know we're, we're serving these women um, in this new season. How can listeners help? So I know there's people listening right now and saying, you know, I want to volunteer at my local pregnancy care center. I want to uh, be able to donate, uh, maybe uh, donate for all the different things that are needed, like diapers and and uh, baby uh, clothes and those kinds of things. I know, Melanie, that uh, you have uh, a whole uh, a whole lot of gear down there for folks and, and for women uh, for the babies. Tell us about that. Oh, yes. Our boutique is a wonderful dream for a new mom. <laughs> she can get anything she could possibly want for her, for preparing for a family from new car seats to cribs to pack and place and strollers to clothing, diapers, wipes. And even, I know a lot of centers are even having a special corner just for mom because a lot of the women don't feel beautiful or they don't feel, um, they just maybe have never felt beautiful before. And so I know that's one of the things our center tries to do as well is to make these moms feel beautiful even while they're pregnant. So I think a lot of people, there's a stereotype that they feel that pregnancy centers, all we do is care about the baby. But the reality is we love women and we love the moms. And if we can love moms um, and if we can save her, we in, in turn, we save her baby as well. So we do, we're woman focused first and foremost. But then also, you've heard us mention the whole family unit over and over again. There is a huge need and role for dads. And a lot of centers have programming and have male mentors that are unavailable to minister to the fathers because our goal as centers is to restore the family unit, the sanctity of family and marriage. And so a dad is a very important part of the pregnancy decision. So at our center, we do have a men's ministry. I know Savannah does as well. Many centers are adopting to, to also include men, um, and we've been doing that for many years. Um, but even at our boutique, we have a section for the dads as well, because there's something about a father when he can come in and he can do education. Uh, he's meant to be a provider for his family and for his children. And so there is such a proud moment for him to be able to go and shop and get the needs, uh, meet the needs of his, his growing family. So our material stores that we do have is a reward for families as they do the education and they work hard. There's that reward that they can learn and earn. Oh, wonderful. Now, Savannah, we just have about a minute left. So tell us if folks are, they're not in Ashland, they're not in Toledo, but they're in the Cleveland, Akron area or Canton, where can they find a pregnancy care center near them? So here's what your listeners are going to do. They're going to go to ohiolife.org, which is um, Ohio Right to Life's website, ohiolife.org. And there is a search bar where they can search Ohio Pregnancy resource center map and it's going to give you a map of all the pregnancy centers you can click on it give the center a call and say i want to come in and tour i want to learn how i can champion what's happening at your center wonderful uh melanie savannah thank you so much for the work that you're doing and it's a new day and we're here with you we're praying for you and we're going to support you as well and the church is going to rise up thank you ladies for what you're doing thank you so much chris thank you god bless And if you missed any of today's program, you can hear it in its entirety at our website at ohioca.org. Stay tuned. We'll be joined by Linda Harvey of Mission America. We're going to be talking about what's going on in the Ohio classroom. You're going to want to listen to this. Don't go away. We'll be right back after these messages. Almighty God, our sons, pride of our nation, this day have set upon a mighty endeavor. A struggle to preserve our republic, our religion, and our civilization, and to set free a suffering humanity. And the soldiers who stormed the beaches of Normandy and the Allied liberation of Europe. On D-Day, all those warriors set out on their mission. President Franklin Delano Roosevelt led our nation in prayer. The D-Day Prayer Project is an effort to add FDR's D-Day Prayer in its entirety at the World War II Memorial in Washington, D.C. 
This wonderful historical presidential prayer will be a lasting tribute to our World War II veterans. If you'd like to make a contribution towards the effort of adding this prayer to the memorial, go to the website at ddayprayerproject.org. That's ddayprayerproject.org. In the Army National Guard, soldiers serve part-time and close to home. My community means everything to me. It helps shape me into who I am today and is where I choose to raise my own family. That's why I joined the Army National Guard. I'm proud of where I'm from. And as a soldier, I get to give back to the people that helped me succeed. The education benefits I got from serving helped me get my degree and jumpstart my career. The training and leadership skills I've gained from the Army National Guard help me every day when I teach young people, help my neighbors, and look out for my community. I know that when my neighbors need us the most, my fellow soldiers and I will be ready. My family loves it here, and my part-time service means we get to stay here. Serve part-time in the community you live in as a proud member of the Army National Guard. Talk to your local recruiter or visit NationalGuard.com. Sponsored by the Ohio Army National Guard. Aired by the Ohio Association of Broadcasters and this station. And we're back in this segment. We're going to be talking about what's happening in the classroom and specifically here in, across the country, but also in Ohio. And there's been a major alert uh, by PragerU. They just put out, uh, that's Prager University, uh, Dennis Prager's group. Uh, they put out an alert yesterday. Have you heard about Drag Queen Story Hour for your young children being held in schools and libraries? How do you feel about sex ed lessons telling kids they can choose to be a boy or a girl or something in between? What about kids reading graphically sexual books as part of required school curriculum? Question mark. It's difficult for me to show you these images, and it talks about in an email it did show the images, and they're disturbing. But let's go to a Fox News report right now because here's one of the parents that uh, went to a local school board meeting and, sh- and actually did some investigation of his own, went into the school library, and saw the very sexually, sexually explicit material. And we're talking primary level from the sixth, uh, kindergarten through sixth grade, folks, okay? Uh, this stuff is outrageous, and it's as, it's as pornographic as it gets, and it's in the school libraries, and uh, we're going to find out if it's in your school library, so stay tuned. But listen to this report from Fox News of this uh, gentleman from Virginia and what he brought before the, the uh, local school board. No one will be held accountable for putting pornography in front of this county's children. I went to the June 30th Board of Ed meeting at the Fleming Island School, the high school, that covers all of Clay County. The representation for the Board of Ed, as soon as I announced that I was going to read from some books that parents, myself and others, found in the public school libraries that are clearly pornographic, he had the mic cut off, which is an admission that such things exist and served my purpose just as well as if I had to read those horrible words. The lawyer did his job. He wasn't polite. He wasn't kind. He did his job. He protected the Board of Ed from liability. That's great. If he worked half as hard to protect our children, I could have stayed home. There's been a lot of denial. The teachers are saying there's no such thing as porn in our libraries. And at the same time, they're creating a policy to quietly make it go away. Well, either it's there or it's not. By the lawyer stifling me, that's an admission that it is there. But I do not believe that a parent's voice is going to be heard. So when I tell you that I think books, book X is pornographic and doesn't belong near a child, especially mine, you're going to pull it from the shelves. That's the new policy. They're going to remove it for review. By law, the review has to include a thorough reading of the entire text. Okay, so let's say that there's only two or 300 books that are so vile they need action today. Who's going to read them? It'll be members of the American Librarians Association. I don't trust them. It'll be media specialists. I don't trust them. It'll be Board of Ed meeting. The persons you saw that wanted my mic cut off, I don't trust them. So how do you regain a partnership as the Board of Ed when you've lost the parents' trust, especially the conservative parents' trust? I don't believe they can. Uh, That was Bruce Friedman, and uh, he was talking about his um, experience at the local school board 
and um, uh, actually was in Florida. But uh, we've seen this in play out in Virginia and other states where parents have brought this outrageous material, began reading what the, was in the book that's in the library that the kids have access to, and then they get their mics cut off. It's like, how dare you? Read? How dare I? I'm bringing to you the very outrageous material that you have in the school for my kid to review. Here to talk with us about it is someone who's been in this fight for a long time, Linda Harvey, president of Mission America. Linda, welcome to the program. Hi, Chris. It's great to be with you. Well, thank you, Linda. Uh, you know, you've been doing this for a long time, but things have ex- uh, accelerated to such a tragic point in just the last year and a half, I'm told, uh, because the LGBTQ and add any other kind of uh, letter on the end of that, these people who are never ending, uh, changing identities here and sexual perversion have thrust this on the school system and with the Biden administration have full blessing from the uh, deviant Biden administration to perpetrate this across America. I didn't believe it. But it's actually happening until I saw it in a material of a presentation of a professor recently. And now PragerU, which is uh, nationally known and well, widely accepted, they're now shining a light on this. Lots of folks shining a light on this. It's an outrage. Tell us about it. Yeah, it's, it has accelerated, as you said, over the last few years. Uh, you, we got a little bit of a break with kids being home uh, in the public schools during COVID. But what that actually did was shine a spotlight where parents were uh, becoming very engaged with what their kids were learning. And as a result, we've seen school board meetings explode with concerns about all kinds of things. But one of them was the uh, gender, the pushing of the gender issue, uh, homosexuality, and so much more. It has not taken a break. It has exploded, and they are so blatant about it, especially, I believe, as you just mentioned, with the uh, backing of the Biden administration, and they're getting a backing from the uh, the federal departments of education, uh, all kinds of executive orders that are, that are backing all this up. So it, there's just simply no... Um, no gloves are being taken off. The gloves are being taken off. There's no hiding it anymore. There, it's as if there's one point of view, there's no other point of view, and it's rainbow pride all the time in way, way too many schools. Uh, we're in a real battle here, folks, and where your kids are going to school, and you say, well, that's not happening in my school. Well, there's going to be material here uh, produced uh, in the next few weeks. A group is coming to the Ohio State House. They're going to hold a forum. Uh, they have uh, an event planned, and they're going to provide material that they're collecting from around Ohio in the school districts and the libraries. And again, Linda, sometimes it's hard to get access to your own kid's library. Tell us about that, because they don't want to see what's in there. Tell us about that. Well, right. You can, uh, if you uh, are a parent, you can get access usually online to the collection that's online. But the problem is, is then you have to find the actual book. You can't just walk into schools anymore because of so-called safety issues and go to the library. You have to... Yeah, but yeah, schools aren't in right thing. now. What What's preventing them from allowing us to go in now when the school's not in session? Right. Well, that would be, I think you have to ask special permission to go in. We've had some people try to do that, even board members around the, the state, and they were uh, told, you know, you, you have to make a special appointment. So even trying to find this out is very difficult. What I think you, people need to do is to look at these specific collections like GLSEN, the Gay, Lesbian, and Straight Education Network, and many others. You have to do a, you can do a Google search, but they come up right away. Multiple recommendations by the pro-homosexual groups and uh, for for books for little kids and for um, for the older teens, and then go when you get a chance and see if they're in the in your school libraries, and you can get a sub- synopsis of what these books are about. There are for the upper levels, middle and high school. Many of these books are flat out obscene in in textually it, it describing homosexual and often heterosexual. They have pictures. They have pictures, Linda. Some, some of them have pictures. Yes, there are definitely those as well. Gender queer is one that's been very uh, has has been uh, noted widely. But for your younger kids, we have numerous examples. And what I urge people to do 
If you want to look down the examples in Ohio, go to protectohiochildren.net, click on the indoctrination map. I'm on the board of a Protect Ohio Children as well as, of course, my own you know, a group, Mission America. Click on the indoctrination map, and over 100 school districts in Ohio come up with specific information about comprehensive sex education, which has gotten to be very uh, friendly to all of the homosexual interests and way too obscene and graphic. Uh, Social-emotional learning, which incorporates a lot of this, critical race theory, and a lot on the LGBTQ and especially the transgender issue. We have a lot of information about homosexual activist teacher training, teacher training by homosexual activists in school districts in Ohio. How did it get this bad, Linda? How did it get that? You've been sounding the alarm for years. You have. How did it get this bad in just the last two years? Is this the Biden administration? I mean, this is they see this as their day of utopia, uh, that they got rid of Trump and the Christian right. And now we're going to come in and we're, you know, because I heard, uh, you know, uh, what's her name on The View called? She was It's like, well, we're going to have a theocracy. You know, she's talking about she's dissing uh, the U.S. Supreme Court because the decisions came down to reverse row to give school choice to have religious liberty. Oh, we're going to have a theocracy. Well, so the flip of that is the perversion of these people. And they're taking, and their vehicle is the public school system. Am I right? Yes, yeah, absolutely. It hasn't just been the last two years. It has been going on and percolating since really the Obama years. That's when it all really uh, cranked up. The National Education Association, their latest, uh, the largest union in the country, uh, they had a an outrageous, uh, and, and outrageous compared to their other meetings really says a lot recent annual meeting that presented their, uh, they want, they want the, the president of the union stood there and screamed during her speech, we will say gay, we will say trans, you know, referring to the, all the false information about the Florida parental rights bill. Uh, and we have one in Ohio, House Bill 616 is similar. They want to be able to teach K through three age children about homosexuality, and they're blatant about it, plus the pro-abortion stuff that the NEA pushes. So we have many, many forces with lots of money that have been pushing this, and the only hiatus we had for a tiny bit of time was the Trump uh, years. But really, it's been going on even through Republican administrations in Ohio, because you know all these districts are, are individually run. So for instance, in Northeast Ohio, you have a group up in Cleveland called the Northeast Ohio Diversity Center. I think it's actually Diversity Center of Northeast Ohio. They have contracts with numerous school districts. We have uh, activist teacher training uh, going on in Parma. Uh, there are, for instance, in Brunswick, which is up your way. Uh, there, We have actual documents from mid- a middle school principal saying, do not tell parents if we have, do not out a child. Do not tell parents. They don't need to know if a child comes to you with gender confusion or et cetera. And that is becoming a standard practice in many, many schools. Not to come to the not to tell the parents if a student comes. And we're yeah. not we're yeah. not talking about middle school and high school only, are we? No, exactly. It's little children as well. And so what we we have to do Chris, this is becoming much more uh, top of mind for me, is to support candidates who are going to back us up on these school issues, on the homosexuality and gender confusion issue. We have to back people who are not going to back down when it comes to confronting this stuff. So I think this needs to be high priority for uh, voters at every level, local, state, and federal, as we go into the fall. So this group that's going to meet at the state house, they're going to actually expose the material that they're finding throughout Ohio. Now, you, uh, what's the group that you're talking about again? What's their, uh, what's the well, contact for them? Is, this is Diane Stover, Protect Ohio Children, uh, and you know them quite well. ProtectOhioChildren.net has been around for three or four years, and we have a network all around the state. We're getting whistleblower information from teachers, from staff and from parents, and we put it anonymously on the website. It's protectohiochildren.net. I'm on the board, 
We've been doing this for four years now. We have the, Diane Stover did a, a sweeping uh, records request, finding all about out all about Ohio schools and what goes on with comprehensive sex education and and who's actually teaching abstinence or who's teaching a Planned Parenthood comprehensive uh, type. And we had that information as much as we were able to get, which was quite a bit, on that website. So we have over a hundred school districts out of the six hundred school districts in Ohio. So you can just scroll down and look, and you'll be surprised at what you find in your own school district. And uh, it's it's but more material is needed. People need to actually bring yeah, material really. to you. So this group that's going to be meeting at the state house as well, uh, they're actually mm-hmm. doing some collection as well. They're they're on it right now. They're they're actually physically going to school libraries and they're getting documentation. That's what's needed to show these legislators. And it's like, hey, this isn't a theory. That you know, this is real. This is what's happening. Uh, this is what's being taught. This is what's in the library, and we want it gone. Now, there's twofold here, uh, Linda. You and I have worked on state policy before, um, and we've we've tried to block bad policy, and we've advanced good policy on the state level. Uh, that's great, but there's also something called home rule, and the local school district can go ahead with their own agenda, having transgender bathrooms. Uh, you know, doing some of their own curriculum. Uh, if if it's not a mandated, selects a piece of a, le- a lesson plan, then they have some leeway. Uh, not a lot, but again, if it comes down to the teacher. So this is happening on the local school level, and it's important for parents to get involved locally to go to that local school board meeting. First of all, get your findings. If your if your student has told you, "Hey, mom, hey, dad, hey, grandpa, hey, grandma, this is what they're teaching me. This is what the lesson plan was," then uh, f- get more findings on that. Bring it before the school board and start blowing the whistle. Isn't that how it's done? That is how it's done. We also can make a difference at the state level, however, because I can tell you one thing that's a big block is the fact that we have an obscenity exemption for educational institutions, and that is we can't prosecute a lot of obscenity, which is actually what this is, the books, the uh, sex education material. It is flat-out obscenity under anybody's uh, you, you couldn't make copies and stand on the school sidewalk and, and hand this out, for instance, uh, to kids without being arrested, but they could teach it in the classroom. We are one of the 40, 44 states in the nation that has exempted educational uh, institutions from prosecution about obscenity. That needs to change. We need to block that and change that at the state level. So that will be coming down the pike. Now, repeat uh, that again about obscenity. It's, we have, for obscenity, for the prosecution of obscenity in the state of Ohio and 44 other states, there's all kinds of listings of all the things you can do about prosecuting obscenity, but there's an uh, exemption for educational institutions. Oh, my goodness. This passed, yeah, this is passed many years ago when people thought, kind of trusted that nothing really bad would be presented in K-12 schools. Well, guess what? Both publishers making money on sensational material, the American Library Association, the Planned Parenthood, comprehensive sex education people, and all the homosexual activist groups, and the teachers unions all, are all making tons of money. They have a lot of consultants. They're, they're all over schools, and there's not much to slow them down. They yes, knew they of that exemption, Linda. They knew of it and exploited it. The rest yeah. of us are sitting here with our faces hanging out. We don't know what's going on, I, including me. And I'm involved with public policy for 20 years. I'm like, how is this happening uh, without any repercussion? And there you go. You just spelled it out. Okay, we're with Linda Harvey. Yeah. She's the uh, president of Mission America. We're talking about the sexualization of our children in the classroom. And yes, here in Ohio and in your local schoolroom, it's happening, folks. You need to wake up. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with some closing thoughts. Don't go away. Almighty God, our sons, pride of our nation, this day have set upon a mighty endeavor, a struggle to preserve our republic, our religion, and our civilization and to set free a suffering humanity. And the soldiers who stormed the beaches of Normandy and the Allied liberation of Europe. On D-Day, all those warriors set out on their mission. President Franklin Delano Roosevelt led our nation in prayer. 
The D-Day Prayer Project is an effort to add FDR's D-Day Prayer in its entirety at the World War II Memorial in Washington, D.C. This wonderful historical presidential prayer will be a lasting tribute to our World War II veterans. If you'd like to make a contribution towards the effort of adding this prayer to the memorial, go to the website at ddayprayerproject.org. That's ddayprayerproject.org. In the Army National Guard, soldiers serve part-time and close to home. My community means everything to me. It helps shape me into who I am today and is where I choose to raise my own family. That's why I joined the Army National Guard. I'm proud of where I'm from. And as a soldier, I get to give back to the people that helped me succeed. The education benefits I got from serving helped me get my degree and jumpstart my career. The training and leadership skills I've gained from the Army National Guard help me every day when I teach young people, help my neighbors, and look out for my community. I know that when my neighbors need us the most, my fellow soldiers and I will be ready. My family loves it here, and my part-time service means we get to stay here. Serve part-time in the community you live in as a proud member of the Army National Guard. Talk to your local recruiter or visit NationalGuard.com. Sponsored by the Ohio Army National Guard. Aired by the Ohio Association of Broadcasters and this station. And we can make a difference when good men do something. And uh, when you shine a light on darkness, you can actually make a difference. That's what we're talking about here on News in Focus. My guest is Linda Harvey, president of Mission America. And Linda, I'm looking at your website, and it's the story about the Nationwide Children's Hospital removes obscene trans link from site. Now, this was the Ohio SAFE Act. This is legislation Representative Gary Click and others sponsored and had hearings just before the break down there in uh, Columbus. This would ban hormone treatments of uh, minors seeking uh, parents trying to push them to change their gender identity and, God help us, uh, surgeries that would change the uh, sexual um, gender of a child. And so this is legislation to ban that and to, to reveal, really, and what I one of the things I thought was interesting, Linda, uh, one of these monsters who uh, was revealed, I don't think he wanted that in testimony, and he's a plastic surgeon, and I don't think he wanted it out there. He, it was an unmasking of him, uh, and he should be shamed. It's, it's, it's a horrible thing, uh, the kind of damage he's doing to people, mutilating them. But all that to say, what came up in the hearings was there was a link on the website of the hospital uh, that, was, uh, that brought it to an obscene, uh, encouraging youth to look at it, and it was going to a pornographic, obscene site. Uh, Representative Click brought that to the attention of the committee. And uh, tell us a little bit of what happened there. Right. Well, this is a site called, it's the group called Mosaic. I won't give out the whole site here. But it's, it's supposedly, again, so much of this pornography and endangerment to children hides under the aegis of these so-called support groups for LGBTQ youth. Okay, this is for uh, 13 to 29-year-old trans youth of color, okay? And it operates heavily here in central Ohio, but anybody can access it. So under on their gender clinic web uh, page on Nationwide Children's Hospital, they have helpful resources, and this is one of them. You go to that site, and if you click on that site's resources, in two clicks, you are into hardcore, I mean, it's horrendous. And why they think this is supportive to gender-confused youth, well, this is because all these, these people are incredibly confused, and one of the motivations is to get kids involved in sexuality of all, in all directions very early. It, they just have no boundaries. And so, what, so the, the person in, this, in the hearing uh, was, was one of the administrators of Nationwide Children's Hospital. And Representative Click brought this up to them, and he he said, I don't think there's anything like that. And he turned to his colleagues, no, we don't think there's anything like that. Interestingly enough, two days later, that site was gone. They did find out that it was there. Somebody put that up there. Somebody within the home, there's a great deal of homosexual and transgender activism in all these children's hospitals these days, folks. They have their own employee groups, and I'm sure somebody put that up there, and there it was gone. So, you know, we cannot trust the level of caretaking of children of the homosexual and transgender activist community. And you can't trust anybody that will mutilate children like this. 
that's another thing that will happen. The oversight is gone. The Bible says in Proverbs 6.26, For by means of a whorish woman a man is brought to a piece of bread, and the adulteress will hunt for the precious life. These devious people are seeking for the precious life, which is our children, and we must protect them. And folks, we are on the clock. We are on the watch. We're watchmen on the wall. That's what we're doing here on this program. That's what Mission America does. It draws a light and shines a light on this darkness so that we can see the terrible uh, darkness that's creeping in the land, and now it has the blessing of a presidential administration with the education department full-blown are they pushing the lgbtq agenda and really perversion in the land and i'm telling you god is watching and he's not happy folks he's not happy about it and you look you read the scriptures and you'll know what is right and you'll know what is wrong and you know linda when we think about this you and i've been doing this a long time and uh you know, really, we just need to draw a light to all of this. And thank you for the work that you're doing. And uh, and again, give the website again of the folks uh, with you with the Stovers. Give that real quickly. Yeah, protectohiochildren.net and mine is missionamerica.com. Missionamerica.com. Linda, thank you so much for being my guest today. Thank you, Chris, for all you do. Well, we're going to work on this together. God bless you. Thank you so much. Well, if you've missed any of today's program, you can hear it in its entirety at our website at ohioca.org. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again next time. have been listening to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, president of the Ohio Christian Alliance. To learn more about the issues that matter most to you and your family, visit online at ohioca.org. That's ohioca.org. Thank you for listening. This program is sponsored by the Ohio Christian Alliance of Akron, Ohio.